0: Welcome welcome to the Student-Centered World Podcast, where we talk about all things hands-on teaching and keeping your energy and sanity in the classroom. This teacher-turned-consultant is making it her mission to help as many teachers as possible become the best version of themselves in their classrooms and keep their passion for teaching on fire. It's her hope that we never forget why we desire to have a passion for educational progress. This This is Student-Centered World, and this is Jen Bry Soccer. Welcome to the final episode of Season 2 of the Student-Centered World Podcast. In this episode today, I wanted to take a little time to discuss not only blended learning as a whole, but what it might look like for us in the fall. With a lot of the discussion out there right now being possibly moving to a hybrid or blended learning model in the fall at least in the beginning of the school year I thought it would be a really great time to discuss sort of what that looks like it's not as bad as you think it can actually be a lot less stressful than the distance learning a lot of us have been trying to work through these past several weeks Um, so I just sort of wanted to talk about that bring it up to everybody's attention and um, kind of tell you about something I plan to be doing with that So one thing I want you to realize, no school district necessarily knows what they're going to be doing this fall. Um, There are a lot of ideas out there. Some schools want to go back 100% normal. Some are saying they might still stay closed, but a lot at least have this idea of blended learning on the table. So I really feel that it's in every teacher's best interest to at least understand what it means and start planning for it a little bit, because even if it doesn't pan out, the stuff that you plan, you could still 100% use in the classroom, even if it's not a blended model. So it's not a bad thing, especially with, uh, I know in the United States, we're getting ready to go into summer vacation, Um, which is when a lot of teachers first take some time to decompress and you've earned it this year, but then start preparing for the next school year. So this is certainly something to keep in your mind because none of the districts know what they're doing, but you can use it no matter, you know, what ends up coming forward for you. So just to start off, what is blended learning? So hybrid learning is the idea where you have some instruction that is in the classroom and then you have other instruction that is done digitally elsewhere. Um, It doesn't necessarily have to be Digital, but in most cases it is so when I discuss it I'm going to be suggesting that we are using digital means Um, if there are opportunities where it's going to be paper-based outside there is a way to do that as well but that is a different conversation that we can have and if it does seem like that's the direction that your school district is going in you can feel free to let me know and we can have a conversation about that but truly having both really is the best of both worlds and I'm gonna explain today how that looks and how that um, can work for pretty much every teacher. So ultimately, when you're planning out a blended learning lesson, unit, school year, there are two ways that you can plan for it. There are two extremely strong ways. A lot of it has to do with the students that you have and what your own techniques are that you're comfortable with. Um, I know it's probably going to get a little dicey if you're starting a brand new school year because you're not going to know your students well but it's going to be important if possible, and I know that this is probably a long shot for some people, but it's gonna be important to try to have conversations with prior teachers just to kind of learn what students' um, personalities are like, how they did with distance learning, um, what their strong suits are when it comes to assignments, or you know, are they an auditory learner? Do they do better if they're visual? Lots of different concepts um, that can be broken down at a later date, but you know, kind of knowing what you have is a big part of making sure that this goes well. But um, the first way that you can go about doing this is you have your instruction in class and then you have your follow-up activities online. So each school district is going to determine on their own what their blended learning is going to look like. I've heard a lot of schools talking about um, a split day. So some students come in the morning and some students come in the afternoon and there's cleaning in between. Um, those visits but I know that's going to be a problem for some districts when it comes to getting the kids to and from with busing Um, so that's obviously not going to work everywhere some might do you know these three days these letters of the alphabet come in and then these stay home or vice versa every school district is going to have to decide what that looks like Um, but All of these, both of these methods I'm going to talk about are going to work for whatever winds up coming down the pike. You just need to know what to plan for. So again, so the first one here um, is instruction in class, so your normal, how your classroom would go, and then follow up activities online. So um, you could have it where you have discussions of activities that you have them do, or you have conversations where you're answering questions online. You could do digital assignments at that point. Um, and then one of the things that I promote a lot when we go through all of these different tech tools that you can use is that you, if you have digital assignments and you're using platforms such as Edpuzzle, If you're not familiar with Edpuzzle, it's a video platform. You can embed questions in. It's a good way to get content out there, um, and the kids can work at their own pace. But you can see in real time where the students are in their abilities. So if it's taking them a really long time to get through the information, if they have to rewatch sections over repeatedly, it's one of the the perks of Edpuzzle. Again, there's other ones. Um, If they're just not doing so well with the answers, you can create groups to discuss while you're doing digital, or you can morph it to where you do um, those groups once you get back into the classroom, and that's a little bit more of the next one. But there's a lot of different opportunities for this grouping that makes both in, in the classroom and outside of the classroom work together. Um, and there are a lot of different ways, and again, it depends on how your students are reacting and working through things. So it'll be a little bit of a trial and error, um, but it will work out no matter what. Then the other option here is the flipped classroom model, which I personally find to be the stronger option. When I was doing distance learning, I've done both of these. They both have their own place um, with what you're doing, but I do find that a flip model is a stronger way to go about doing this, and the idea of how that works, and if you've already sit that there and thought, oh, she's talking about the flipped classroom, that'll never work for me, I promise it will. Um, I'll explain why in a second. But so what you would do is you would assign the content learning outside of class. So in a traditional classroom, as the teacher, you're giving your students the information. They go home, they work on homework to reinforce that information. Um, But they're finding through a lot of different data, and I could show you some research on this if anybody is interested, that it's not as beneficial to do it this way. If you assign the content learning, which is just the baseline information outside of class and you have the students work on that, when they come into class, everything that they would need clarified or they have questions on that would normally come up when they were doing traditional homework, they would immediately be asking you or working through in class with you as the expert there to help them. So it helps them learn it quicker and on a deeper level because you are there for the reinforcement factor um, and you can, again, as I had mentioned uh, before, you know, you can clarify material online or you can create groups for when they come into the classroom. You see where everybody is in their material and then you go, to, you know, you're going to go from there. These people will be in this group. These kids will be in this group based off of how that went for them. Um. So why it works really well. Number one, they get to learn the content at their own pace. So we know we need to differentiate in the classroom, and that's a big thing. It's been harped on for years and years, and we we know it. We know that we have students that learn different ways and at different paces. They're all at different levels. It's just the name of of the game and how the beast works. But when you're giving them the content to learn on their own on a platform that is made to give them that content, um, they can do it at a speed that works for them where they have the ability to stop, pause, ponder, rewind, go back with a a speed that works for them. So that's something that is really beneficial. um, If you kind of just digest the idea of that for a second, it really does make sense. They have you in person for follow-up clarification as opposed to the homework as the follow-up, which then adds more of your time to clarify the questions from the homework, which leads to wasted time in the classroom and that's something a lot of people don't think of you know it's i'm the teacher i'm supposed to give them the stuff they go home they practice it let's be honest the older they get the more they just cheat there's been a lot of questions about cheating when it's come to distance learning so kind of keep that in mind Um, but then they come back to class and instead of being able to move forward with the next stuff you have to spend time clarifying their questions when you flip, it takes away that element. They get the basic content outside of class and when they come in, they can immediately ask the questions or you can divvy them up based on the questions that they have or the what they showed from the work that they were presenting and with different activities that are is best for where they are at that moment in learning. This really helps to differentiate. Big time. So, you know, if, say you're going to have an observation and your supervisor comes in and you have four different groups of kids all working on the same content, but at different levels. And they're all engaged in what they're doing because they understand it right where they are. That's a out-of-the-park observation so it really helps differentiate and that's gonna help your kids it's gonna get them to buy into whatever you're doing because they understand and they feel like they're having these small wins every day in your classroom and if they are struggling it's not as noticeable because they're doing something in a group with other kids and other people are as well they're not ostracized everybody's doing different things so it's not Um, it's not obvious and it helps give them the extra help that they need without it being you know they have to ask the question or um, you know make themselves stand out in a way that we know a lot of times kids don't want to or maybe don't even realize that they need so it's just it's so helpful you can see if a student struggled with an assignment like if you're using Edpuzzle and create groups based off of their understanding, and then you could have different types of hands-on lessons or small group activities or small group conversations, you know, kind of like a a lecture-based thing, but where you're talking to different groups about what that group needed more information on. So it really just helps broaden that. Number one question, okay? I went to a workshop in, oh gosh, probably 2014, 2015, about flipping the classroom. I was always very intrigued by it, but I was teaching in a school at the time that the kids didn't do homework. It didn't matter what you assigned to them. It didn't matter what you promised them. They weren't gonna do their homework. So I said, You know, that was the number one question that came up. Well, how is this going to work if the kids aren't going to do their homework? it's a very obvious question that I'm pretty sure any of you that aren't familiar with a flip um, was asking right then and there. And there's actually a very easy solution. He explained it very clearly. It made sense. He said it worked. I tried it in my classroom, and I would never turn back. So if they don't do it at home, then they have to do it in class. Okay, so say, again, I'm just gonna keep rolling with Ed Puzzle here. There was an Ed Puzzle that they needed to do. It was a 10 minute long Ed Puzzle, so with questions or repeats, we'll say 15, 20 minutes. Um, they have to do that before they can move on to anything else. So they'll get in there and they'll see other kids working on different activities. It might be hands-on, it might be crafty, it might be some type of a scavenger hunt or you know, any of the things that you might come up with. Um, and it helps where they are still getting no matter what as long as they're completing that flip they're getting the baseline knowledge that is required of the curriculum that's the purpose of the content so they're getting it no matter what but the kids that often fall through the cracks the opposite direction we know that our high flyers a lot of times we trust them to just do it and get the work done and they're going to get it and it'll be fine They get some extra attention because they get to do something on their level that's fun because they did the work and it's kind of a reward, but it's not anything less if the student has to complete the work in the classroom. So that's just something to consider, and once you do that a couple of times, you'll notice the the switch in the trend, and even sometimes the high flyers end up not getting their work done for whatever reason, and that's fine, they just know that then they have to complete it in the classroom. And again, when you're hybrid, when you're blended back and forth, it's it's okay, you know, and you can always morph and develop how you're doing things as as time moves forward. So with all of that information um that's just the two basic ways that you can do it uh both of those work and again it just depends on you your students and all of that so to help with all of this i am putting together a video series it's going to be totally free training on how to implement blended learning in your classroom coming this fall and again, even if we wind up being in a more traditional sense in the classroom where you know, we're not doing any distance learning, if you prepare for blended learning, you can still do all of that in the classroom, but you can't really do traditional learning if you are online. And a lot of us have found that out as we've been trying to do distance learning or this version of distance learning for the past several weeks. So if you go into the podcast caption, there is a link. That you can click on that you can sign up to receive information about the video series and if you have any questions you can certainly reach out and ask but with that i would like to thank you for participating in season two of the student-centered world podcast we will be back again in the fall to discuss all of the issues that are surrounding education and things that you could do to keep your passion for education alive please stay well and have a fantastic summer